Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I am John Gorman, your host. We got Jason Theobald in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing all right, man. It's been a minute. It has. Kayla is sick. She's got the flu, and she was super excited to host this podcast today. So a little shout out to Kayla. It's been a bit since I've had to host one of these. So it, as you guys know, before we start, I couldn't find the damn record button. So <laughs> I think I got my glasses on. We've got Lauren Conlon back in the house. Lauren, what's going on? How are you? Hello. Thank you guys again for having me on. I'm super excited for today and this topic. So, Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one. And I know we like to, we've got a lot of people that like to keep up with us business-wise to kind of see what's going on. So I'm going to start this off. Jason, I'll, I'll start with you. Anything cool or interesting happened to you in the last two weeks? I know you're slammed busy, man. So I know I'm personally excited to kind of hear what's going on. Yeah, you know, um, geez. So January... Uh, was our biggest month ever at New Ethics by 120K. Like we just smashed it. And it's because we brought on a sales team. We're, you know, getting tons of brick to brick type accounts now. Um, so that's going really well. And then uh, this coming week, uh, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, I guess that'll be like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'll be down in Tampa, Clearwater area. We have to, so... It's the last shooting for Country Ball. That's a audience can look it up, but it's a streaming show. Um, and basically, New Ethics has a few spots on it. But the way they do it is they work us in. It's not just like an advertisement of a product in between. Like I'm on the show, like talking about the products and stuff. So I've been in th two things to film, and this will be my third and last one. Um, and then the next day, we're on uh, Boom America, which is a show about four companies. We were lucky enough to be one of them. It's a, it, Kevin Harrington, if y'all remember him from the uh, Shark Tank, it's his show. Basically he put together an A team. They pick the companies they want to work with and then they film it and we give them a goal and they have to hit it. So our goal that we set as a company was to be in 500 brick and mortar stores by the end of 2023. I'm going to double it and tell Kevin's team to get us in a thousand. So We'll see how that goes, uh, but that'll be fun. So I'm going to be coming to Tampa a lot because that's where the headquarters are. I think they're going to come here too yeah. some, but I'll be coming there. Uh, so it's just busy, man. Um, and then as far as Scooby Prep goes, I mean, I I, I do have a wait list for functional. Uh, it doesn't mean don't contact me. I'm moving through as quickly as I can, but I'm just kind of the point now where like I, I don't want to take people on if I can't 100% give it the right attention it needs. I'd rather do a wait list or put them with one of my really competent coaches. So that's a good thing to have. Um, I'm teaching my anatomy of a well-planned contest prep uh, course coming up the 23rd. If anyone's interested, that's a Sunday or now I'm sorry, it's the 26th. My bad. That's a Sunday. So that's next Sunday. I think I've got about 14 people in it. So it's been pretty popular and so I'm good to see that. And then as far as my mentorship groups, those are full and I'm not opening them again until May. I ran like six of them this last time and it was just too much. I'm doing two. That's it. So that's got a wait list. Um, so all in all, everything's going really well. The HRT clinic is still growing leaps and bounds. Um, I think we were up again another 25K last month. Um, so it's just really killing it. So business wise, uh, everything's uh, pretty good. Uh, quickly. Aiden committed uh, to play division two at Thomas Moore, which is a school like 20 minutes from my house, which is awesome. Um, so I'll get to see him play. And then Maddox got his black belt by age nine uh, this Dang. past weekend. So he got passed 
he's never failed but one time and he couldn't get this specific kick and uh, i don't blame him. it's pretty hard as a front kick you gotta get your toes back it's hard for nine-year-old but he got it man he went and practiced his ass off and um got it this this next time so a lot of cool things going on with the kids a lot of cool things going on with the businesses just staying busy and hoping it's you know going to be a good 2023 so life is good man I'm, I'm glad to hear things are going swell lauren what about you what's what's new and anything exciting you got going on yeah, well, not as exciting as all that. But first of all, got to let me know when you come down here and maybe we okay. can go grab food or something or train. Well, do. Um, Next week. But yeah, Tampa is the spot, you know, not going to lie. Definitely. So it's, it has grown so much. I mean, from the time that I moved here to now, I mean, it's just so crazy how different it is. Um, but anyway, so actually, um, y'all will be the first to hear about this. I've only told a few people, but going through a rebrand for the company, 10 years you know, into business, want to get a new name, get a new feel for kind of just the direction that we're going. So that will be um, hopefully done by the end of March. So kind of Q2 roll that out. So really excited for that. Um, and then got asked to do a speaking opportunity internationally, which again, I'll announce oh. at a later date, but super excited for that. Um, so I had to go through the whole passport BS because mine expired and I was like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. And then now I was like, oh shoot, now I got to pay for the expedited fee because <laughs> I actually do need to go somewhere. Um, but so excited for that. And um, business is good. Brought on another coach. Um, she's amazing. She actually just finished chiropractic school and she's a top CrossFit athlete. So she has a phenomenal background in terms of her education and her experience. So good things I'm taking on clients right now. So I'm in the process of kind of revamping my own client list as well. So just, you know, good stuff. And, you know, it's as always, there's always a million ideas. And it's like, I'm like a big idea person. And I'll just have all this stuff. And then it's okay, how do I how do I organize this? How do I actually <laughs> go down the list and do these things? Um, so I always struggle a little bit there. But Work, working on that. <laughs> did, did you hire any help for a rebrand or are you doing it all on your own? So for the rebrand, it's, I did hire someone to like, do like the graphic, you know, for like the actual logo and then come up with what she calls like a rebranding kit. So essentially like, you know, the fonts and the colors and the schemes and like that kind of stuff so that I can cohesively add that to, you know, any post, any documents that we have, you know, so I'm really excited for that because again, it's something that I'm like, I tangibly know what I want, but I'm not good at like putting that down, you know, to create a logo or to, you yeah, know, sure. to, to, to finish those kinds of things. So, Do you have a new name yet? Or is it you yes. Name? Yes. Are you, are but, you willing to share or is that later? Not yet, but we will. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pumped for it. It's nothing, it's not that crazy, but I'm just excited for it. Um, I feel like it'll be a better representation of everything that we do. So. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's exciting. You're er, er, we don't get to talk a lot anymore because we're all just so busy. You know, um, know. it's good to see you continue to keep growing. You've got this team that's just awesome. It's nice to see those things happening. I know, real quick, I won't keep us long. With me, um, my fat ass got into shape because I had to go speak at our customer appreciation event. <laughs> so I've been doing this pretty cool approach, and Kayla and I just just did a podcast on it, which will drop, which will drop. It'll have dropped before this one, but. It's basically pairing up very, very rapid fat loss with diet breaks every about three weeks. And I know there's research out there that's been done on diet breaks and research on rapid fat loss. And I've really taken it in the trenches and I've got about 15 of us doing it. And man, it beats the hell out of just regular dieting. We're trying to lose a pound, pound and a half a week and diet for months. Like I'm going hard. So I've really enjoyed that. And I've got clients. I'm going to share the data, what I'm seeing in the trenches. because We know what the research says. I want to see what 
the application side of it looks like. So I'm excited. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah, that's super rad. Me and Campbell did something like that too. Um, Did you? And I did like a little, um, I said, okay, what's going to happen if we do this rapid fat loss protocol for two weeks? You know, somebody who's experienced, you know, you need an experienced person. It's not like your first time client doing this, but we actually did see some measurable changes even in two weeks. Now it was end of one, you know, but again, I know my, my body pretty well and, and we were able to do that. So the idea is that that's the idea of, okay, like, can we push really hard? You know, if you have the person with the right mindset, can you do that? Um, so it's definitely a different approach. And I'm sure you guys can relate. Like, honestly, the more, the longer that I do this, the more I realize that almost any approach will work. It's, it's so just yeah. client dependent, you know? So it's like, I don't even really like to say like, oh, we like to do this one approach. It's more of like, what is the client actually going to need or how are they going to respond to this? Yeah. You know, Lauren, I'll probably oh, do you push, do you push for like three weeks or how long do you do it? So the initial for I'm in phase three now. So the initial fit, because I had enough body fat to do this, first of all, because you can't be stage lean into it. That's yeah. where you get fucked. You got to be like, I had some body fat, right? So I went from 224 to about 210 in three weeks. Most of that was in the first, the first week I dropped five and then I dropped four the next. And my calories were low. I dropped down to like 1700 calories and okay. I just pushed no high carb days. And then I did it about a 10 day diet break into my speaking event and I maintained that because I was super strict. That was a key. And I, I only bumped up to like 21, 2200 calories because I just don't need a lot, right? Okay. Yeah. Then I pushed and hit another phase. Now I'm on my my next diet break phase. And I've just taken a while. What I'm trying to do is I've lost a little bit of muscle because I just haven't been training hard enough the last five years, honestly. I'm putting a little bit of muscle on in those, those diet break phases. But I still got enough body fat to where I can get down to 205. And instead of me just doing this long diet phase for like 12 fucking weeks, like this is just much, much better um, because I'm not too lean. So I don't feel like shit and I've enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it. And what I was about to say is Lauren, I'll probably reach out to even you and Bill Campbell and maybe we can all get to get together and do a show on combining the two. Um, because it's yeah. a different approach. It really, what's is. your weight loss goal? Do you have one or? Yeah, I'd like to get down to about 205. I'm, I can see actually for me, which is really good at 210, I can see the outsides of my obliques start to see the top of abs in the morning. Um, and I've, I've put the muscle back on. I just look way better than I did. Just way better as far as like muscle wise, because I up my protein and everything. But anyway, that'll be a whole podcast in and of itself. From the business side of things, fat muscles are growing like crazy. We're up to like 25 coaches now. We just added like six new wholesale accounts, brick and mortar locations. Plus our sales are up. I mean, it's just, it's crazy here. We're lucky. We're blessed. We're doing this the right way and adding people like us coaches with a good client base. I don't give a shit about anything else. And they're, they're really the key to this whole thing growing. So we're just going like crazy. We've got new products, birthday cake proteins coming, just all this new stuff. So it's fun, man. We're, we've added apparel to it and we're doing our own apparel in house. So that's been fun. We're just, you know, being entrepreneurs, like that's the thing, like, you know, sky's the limit and you can go create this thing the way you want. I'm just, I'm just super blessed and fortunate. So I I do have a cool speaking event coming up in St. Louis. It's called the Grit Summit and it's a business conference. So I get to actually talk about growing and building a business with customer loyalty and, you know, customer satisfaction. That's going to actually be fun. So kind of trying to evolve outside the fitness industry a little bit. So, you know, we can all talk about bodybuilding, but you know, to talk about business is fun. So yeah, that's pretty much it for me in a nutshell. And I know we've got a strict cutoff, Jay, because you've got some stuff coming up. 
Um, no, actually, I don't teach that class anymore, dude. Okay, so you're that good. was one of my group mentors. I dropped it, and I'm not refilling it. I'm not. I'll, I'll always be good. I can stay on as long as we need. So, Lauren, do you have a hard cutoff at five Eastern your time? No, I can go a little bit longer. Um, okay, well, and because yeah. there there's going to be some questions here, I want to really be able to dive into this. So this this is yeah. a heck of a topic here, and it's one that we've all talked about a zillion times. But the whole key with all this stuff is. There's always new people that come on or there's people that start to develop areas where they're going to struggle, whether it's three years in, four years in. And this is a topic, Lauren, I, I would say you're you're probably recognized as one of the experts in this area because not only have you been through it yourself, we've all kind of been through it, but you, you've been through it. You've been very public about it, but you've helped a massive amount of people um, really understand body dysmorphia and finding balance and, and really kind of figuring out your physique. So if you would just start this off by giving us a little bit of background on why this topic has, has been something that you've really honed in on and wanted to help a lot of people with. Yeah. So first I grew up with an eating disorder. If anybody's heard my story, you know that. Um, so grew up with an eating disorder, got into competitive bodybuilding, did that for many years, you know, and doesn't matter how great you do it. You know, it doesn't matter who your coach is, how great your mindset is like, it, it just takes its toll. Right. And I had seen through all those years, basically at the end of 2018, like my last season, I was kind of like, man, I've pretty much dieted for 20 years of my life. Like, you know, I maybe need to take a bit of a break here. And um, it's really hard when you've gone through those phases, especially as a competitive physique athlete of okay, I'm stage lean or even the opposite of that. Like, oh, I have to push for off season because I have to maximize every little yeah. bit, right? And it's just a totally different thing. And when we don't feel like we're hitting either of those targets, clients really start to spiral. And I found myself, you know, really struggling when I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to take a little bit of time off. I don't know when, but I'm going to do what feels right for me and my body and just see what happens. And it was a little rough, you know, it was rough for a few years there because it was kind of that period of just like, recalibrating because I really didn't truly know where my settling point was because I was always pushing it up or down. So you start to have a really skewed perception of yourself. I had completely irregular hunger signals, no satiety signals, and just overall didn't really feel that great. And I started realizing that as I was sharing this, that a lot of clients were going through the same thing. And I would say that at this point, um, you know, our main clientele base is, hey, if you've been someone who is chronically dieted for most of your life um, and you're a female ages, you know, 25 to 55 and you may or may not have competed or you've just tried every single diet, like this is generally who we're working with because finding a solution and creating this new identity, you know, mentally and then also having the new habits and behaviors in place physically is really what we do best. So I would say that that it really stemmed from my own experiences and then really what I started to recognize with the people that I was working with, because I, I still work with competitors, um, but I started to realize that I was also working with the post competitor client, right? Like, hey, I've competed. I don't really know if I want to anymore, but like, what does life look like afterwards? And that's really where this all started. I was like, okay, there's just too much here that like really need to work with these clients because oftentimes you know, getting people ready for shows is is one type of coach. Um, but, you know, what is happening afterwards is is very often neglected. You know, I like that you said that because that's what that's what makes a great coach. First of all, you're not sometimes people start off and they're one type of coach and that's we kind of all started off that way. Right. But then you evolve and you start to figure out how to help different groups of people or one person through a different a bunch of different phases of dieting. 
you know, for our coaches listening, especially if you're a guy, like you don't tune out, like, don't think that like this happens to guys too. Like I see it more prevalent in women. And the question I want to ask you to kind of kick this off, Lauren, is do you think this day and age prior to the world of social media, sure, you had magazines and TV and stuff like that to put a lot of pressure on women or people in general. Mm-hmm. I, if being a guy, I don't really, I don't see as much of this as a female would, but do you feel like there's just extra, extra, extra pressure now because you've got social media at scale and everyone trying to show this perfect image and it makes like, do you feel like that's a factor? Absolutely. I think it's not even just a factor of the physique, right? It's more of when you see someone who looks a certain way or is portraying a certain lifestyle, we only see that part right and i'm not even talking about just a highlight reel right like like obviously first of all i'm not i'm not faulting anybody for posting the best pictures of themselves right like nobody's like man i look like shit let me post this up (laughs) you know obviously you may be doing that to like prove a point right and that obviously has its place as well but if you took five pictures you're gonna pick the best fucking one to share and i'm gonna do the same thing right um and we can all be vulnerable and share on social media but it doesn't matter we all feel this like disconnect of like well, they, they wouldn't get it. Like nobody else is going through what I'm going through. Whereas in real world conversations, you know, with friends or peers or colleagues and you have these conversations, you realize, all right, maybe I'm not as fucked up as I thought. Maybe everybody else is kind of going through something, you know, but social media has created this lens of everybody else has it figured out and I don't. So I'm a failure. And when we start to think in that type of way, and we create that identity about ourselves, we then are saying, okay, well, I can't be successful, which then paradoxically for a lot of people who've had either disordered patterns um, or previous eating disorders, typically that creates compensation patterns, whether it's overeating or undereating or overexercising or, you know, completely derailing themselves and people get addicted to that chaos. And then they're like, see, I can't do it. And then you create the self-fulfilling prophecy. So there's a lot of things there, but I would say that the biggest thing with social media is it creates this facade almost that everybody else has it put together and that you don't. Um, again, maybe that's just the lens that I see it, but I've I've talked to other people and it's that seems to kind of be a trend. And that's even when people share like their vulnerable stuff, um, which again can that sometimes people overshare to be vulnerable and that's a whole different social media predicament, <laughs> but that's a different topic. <laughs> so I would say that yeah, it's definitely the scale of it and the access of it has changed things completely. Cause like, yeah, when I first started, you know, we were talking about this at uh PC event, Jason, and you know, like back in the day, you know, when I first started you know, 12 years ago, I'm looking at like the, like the diamatized blog or like the Gaspari blog, like what are, what are the girls doing, you know, or pick up a magazine and, you know, you maybe see that, but you, you don't really, and you saw a picture from the competition, you know, but you don't get to see everything like inundated 24 seven. Whereas now, not even just physique stuff on social media, but travel stuff, fashion stuff. Oh, I don't have a good fashion sense like that. I couldn't put together outfits like that. How are they traveling like that? How are they doing that? Oh my gosh, their relationship looks so great. And all these things add up. (laughs) And so it's not just even just the physique stuff, but if someone is using that as kind of a control mechanism, then it can be displayed in those behaviors. Yeah, we need to come back on and do a whole episode on social media, but we'll we'll skip that for now. (laughs) Yeah, like- Let's jump in the trenches. And of course, we can all chime in here. Um, Lauren, I'm going to really kind of aim a lot of this at you. So going off Kayla's outline, she's got some really good points here. She says, before a client or an athlete comes out of a fat loss phase or contest prep, what do you do to prepare them 
for after, whether it's someone that's new, because we know there's a big difference between someone that's their first time. We know they're, they're, they're going to come out of it way different than versus if we do it right. We've been through this a lot of times. How do you start to prepare them uh, when you're coaching? So I would say a lot of this is going to stem from even before we've started. Right. And a lot of times the conversation is very much centered on like, what are we going to be doing for this goal, especially when we're talking about fat loss. But if we haven't laid down that foundation beforehand, that is really where we start to run into some issues. So typically a lot of clients will come and say, Hey, I have this fat loss goal and I fully support it. Especially again, if we're not even talking about a physique competitor, talking about a lifestyle client, like you want to lose body fat and you probably need to, okay, we need to expedite this process. But even then I would say we still need to have a period of like laying this foundation. If we're talking about a physique competition, absolutely. We are not jumping into a contest prep. So I would say for any coach listening or any potential client listening, if you want to do a physique show and you want to invest the time and energy and all of the adaptations that are going to come with that, you sure shit better be able to prepare for a few months before a diet. Don't just say, Oh, Hey, there's a show in 12 weeks. I want to do it. That works once maybe twice. (laughs) But as we all know, those methods do not work long-term because now they weren't in the position in the beginning to even start the diet in in the the first place. Secondly, now you had to get so crazy aggressive during the process. And yeah, you can single-handedly focus on a goal for 12 to 16 weeks. I, I could hang off the side of the roof for 12, you know, I mean, you can do anything right. Like for 12 weeks, but then what are we going to do afterwards? So I think that the conversation needs to start with where are we before? Have we laid the right foundation, you know, the right habits, the right behaviors, metabolically you're in the right place, hormonally, psychologically. And then from a like nitty gritty perspective, after a competition prep, I am bringing calories up very quickly, pretty much right away. Um, And this is something that I developed out of my own practice because every time that I would be put on a reverse diet after a show, I would completely blow through that and it didn't fucking work. And I was like, I don't care. Shove your 10 carbs up your ass. Like I'm like, that's like, what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like going from hundred carbs to 110 isn't, isn't really helping me here. Right. So now what I do much quicker is add in calories um, and bring down cardio because the number one thing that I see with a rebound is not necessarily bringing up calories on a controlled way, but it's the overeating. And when we have, when we start to have overeating episodes, it's not just that one bolus of calories, which can certainly be detrimental, but again, it's the mindset starts to slip. Oh, I can't do this. I'm a failure. I might as well have another meal. Well, one turned into five. And then you really start to rapidly add body fat back. So I would say first, What are we doing beforehand? Are we taking the adequate measures before we enter into a diet? And then secondly, after a diet, again, for someone who's in a competition, not this is not a lifestyle diet, but someone who's gotten very, very lean, we're going to be bringing up calories fairly quickly the first few weeks to stabilize and minimize as many um, overeating episodes as possible. What about any red flags that you typically see when you're working with someone that, that tells you they might start? to become too food obsessed. And I know I can tell some stories Well, back in the day when Jason actually was my coach, when I would eat cans of pumpkin at a time, <laughs> it was so filling, right? Or I would eat all the sugar-free jello just to, ch- because when you're new, that feeling of being just ravenously hungry, for some people haven't experienced, you're like, oh fuck, like this doesn't go away. You just want to feel full, <laughs> which is not the mindset to have. What are some things that you'd notice that people are starting to become too food obsessed? 
Yeah, I would say the weird behaviors um, and and let's let's all be honest again, as people who have competed for many years and also coached competitors for many years there, I don't ever see someone just kind of get away like skate three. Like, I feel like something always kind of yeah. weird starts to happen. You know, it doesn't matter how great of a coach you are, how great of an athlete you are. We kind of start to do some weird things in prep, you know, um, yeah. those kind of obsessive tendencies tend to come out, especially because people who are predisposed to compete generally tend to be a little bit more on the neurotic side and also kind of wired in that more kind of type a obsessive personality anyways they're drawn to the sport so it kind of resurfaces a little bit and sometimes it's like okay a byproduct of being this diligent with 1200 calories and 90 minutes of cardio a day is you know you're gonna have to be a little bit obsessive right so i would say though that when things start to get really really hazardous in terms of like they're reporting very strange behaviors um, in terms of maybe what they're eating or consuming or, or um, like rituals, you know, around things. And that's generally when it's like, all right, you know, we have to, you know, it's really going to be client dependent. Has this person had severe issues beforehand? You know, is this playing a role? Like, are these things going to resurface really ugly? Not just like, oh, I overate twice, but like, you know, now they're binging and purging for months on end. Like we don't really want something like that to, to resurface. Um, other thing too, is that then it's like, maybe we need to adjust to the timeline of the show, you know? Um, and that's something that, you know, not every client is going to be able to do based on where they live. You know, some people don't have the luxury of having a lot of shows around them. Um, but if somebody does like, Hey, maybe we need to push back the timeline because, you know, if you're, you know, maybe we can have a diet break here or a few higher days of, of food, um, maybe not even a full week, but at least a few days where we can at least pull cardio down for a few days so you can, you know, recover a little bit more. Um, so it's really going to be case by case dependent at, you know, obviously like any of this stuff is, um, but I would say that, yeah, the weird behaviors are kind of the, the initial thing that makes me pull back. And then I really will dig a little bit more and see like, what is the severity of this? You know, okay. Are you eating pumpkin? Like, okay, a little weird, but you know, probably not hurting anybody, right? Maybe your GI system, but you know, um, but, or like, Hey, are you not able to like leave the house until you do these three things and you've eaten this exactly. And you cried because this happened, like, it's like, okay, we're starting to see these patterns. Like maybe we need to take a step back and it's tough. It's, it's really tough because everybody is going to respond very differently to being that lean. And you really don't know how you're going to respond till you get there. And I know you guys can attest to this. Like it gets, easier the more that you do it just because yeah. you start to accept it it's like I tell everybody like oh what's that hunger hack and I'm like accept that you're going to be hungry for the next five months like I don't like there's literally no other hack the more that you try to hack it I feel like the worse it gets because then you're putting so much mental energy into how to not be hungry instead of just sitting with the hunger um, but that does take a few I would say preps to to really work work through uh, another obvious red flag if it is if somebody starts to overeat during prep right and again this isn't like oh i had two extra rice cakes like this is like you know shit really went off the rails for a few days and it's like all right we need to take a step back like maybe again maybe we need to pause this um and revisit the the timeline that we're on but again every client is going to be different there's times where i've pushed people after that and there's times where i haven't so you know, we've all been around this for quite a while, and I just feel like this day and age is a little bit different. Jason, 2007, 2008, 2009, 10, 
um, we would see a lot of, and Lauren, you probably came up in the same, seeing the same thing. We saw a lot of meal plans, right? Your six basic foods at work, like very, very set meal plans. And then flexible dining starts to come along and everybody starts to understand it and count macros. And now it's at scale. It's like people have kind of fucked it up, honestly. But back in the day, I would see a lot of people have issues because they would come into not just their first prep or their first time dieting, but they get a, a, a bro diet, which there's nothing wrong with that. It was just very limiting. And then all of a sudden you would see all these issues. Do you still see that at scale or are you seeing more issues come out of people being too flexible with their food? And I know this is a super interesting concept, but it's different now than it was five years ago. And it's certainly different than 10 to 15 years ago. It's super different because as always, the pendulum continues to swing. It's like, okay, hey, there were obvious issues with overly restrictive meal plans, but that doesn't mean that now, you know, we have to do pop tarts and egg whites. Right. And that's kind of the big swing that we had. And what I've found also within that subset of people is that, and I've talked about this at nauseum, but I think it needs, it's worth repeating. And because I want people to understand this, the rigidity has to do with your mindset. It doesn't have to do with what type of plan that you're on. You can be tracking macros and be just as rigid with your mindset as you are with the meal plan that you were given. And the whole purpose behind tracking macros was to have a deeper understanding of food and be able to make these modifications and to be able to moderate yourself, you know? Um, but if you can't do that because you're so worried that you're not going to zero everything out on my fitness pal, well, then we have the same issue that the meal plan was presenting. Um, so I would say that some people can certainly mess up, you know, IFYM by either being overly rigid or to your point, John, they can be too flexible. And then it's like, well, why am I not seeing the results? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, there is a give and take here. Like this is a contest prep. Like we don't just get to eat weird stuff all the time and expect to yeah. have those results. Um, but it really comes down to those like day to day, like the consistency there every once in a while. Sure. Um, but when we're talking about people who all of our clients who we know who've been the most successful and even our most successful preps, like, what are you doing? Like you're eating the basics. Um, and I do think that having a self-created meal plan of sorts is really valuable for a lot of clients. Um, and this is, I mean, honestly, kind of how I live now anyway. <laughs> um, I wouldn't really call it like a meal plan, but I mean, I'm buying food and I'm prepping it and I'm eating it basically for most of my meals during the week, right? It's just reducing that mental fatigue of trying to plan things. And I think that a lot of people try to make things really, really fancy, especially during a prep. And um, I've never done that because I'm just too brain dead and like lazy to care. But I know a lot of people do. They're like, oh, I'm going to make this fun meal and do all this stuff. And it's like, that can be great every once in a while. But if we're doing that on a daily basis, like the amount of mental energy that's going into that is, is going to be pretty exhausting. I don't know if that answered the question because I kind of hit a lot of different buttons, but <laughs> no, no, it de it definitely does. And I'm we're kind of blurring the lines here between two different topics, but that's okay. I I want to get both of your take on something real quick. Something I've noticed, and I'm not the type of guy I go out and post on social and bitch about my clients. Other coaches do that, and it's a terrible fucking idea. All you're going to do is tell people not to fucking work with you, so stop doing that, first of all. <laughs> but I'm going to bitch on the podcast, right? Because then you guys are going to weigh in, and I'm going to – I'm gonna. this is free therapy for me. 
<laughs> I feel like, and, and part of this I caused, right, with the book I wrote, The Flexible Fat Loss Solution. I am starting to see a trend, and you guys tell me if you're seeing this as coaches. I'm starting to see a trend the last few years of I'm getting more clients that can't stick to their fucking plan. And I don't know if it's too much flexible dieting and too much trying to shift things around, hit macros at the end of the day. But I've gotten a, I've gotten more clients that I'm having trouble. I have to constantly talk to them about get back on your plan, get back on your plan. Are you guys seeing that more the last couple of years or are you not seeing that? Jay, you can start with you, man. Um, are you seeing more of that? Um, no, I'm not. Um, I don't really think so. Uh, there's every once in a while there's someone who can't, you know, they're just not cut out for this, right? Um, but no, I, I I think for me it's it's been fairly fairly. I mean, the people that are getting ready for shows, they've all been hard workers and get their shit done. And then I have so many people that have so much shit going on with them that they just want to be better and feel better. So they're willing to do whatever it takes. That's the kind of people I generally get. So no, not really, but I'm not dealing with like many new people, like people that are new to like dieting and stuff. Most of my people are either contest prep or they've been through the ringer with 10,000 coaches and they see what I'm posting and the results I'm getting with people with extreme, you know, weight loss resistance and all that. So they're just there to get it get it fucking done. You know what I mean? So there's those one outliers, but no, I'm not really seeing that. What about you, Lauren? Are you seeing any of that lately? So I would say that as a general notion, like what I think we're seeing is there's more people who are competing, right? Like bodybuilding is still very weird and very niche as we know, but it's certainly less weird and less niche than it used to be, especially when it comes to the bikini division, right? Um, And I don't really work with any men's physique competitors, but I would imagine that it's a similar ish type of idea um but especially with bikini because people see that and they go oh my god that looks so great um i can look like that like that looks healthy and um that looks like i can just train for a few months and and get on stage Mm -hmm. and and unfortunately there's a lot of also new coaches or or coaches who just are predatory i don't know um who sell that to clients you know "Yeah, yeah of course like we can get on stage for this show in 12 weeks and i can't tell you how many people still come to me with that mindset and it's like I'm not the coach for you. If you're interested in that, so sorry for waste. Don't even, I'm sorry you even wasted your time filling out the questionnaire, (laughs) you know, because that is not the type of service that we're going to provide. So I think that just as a general notion in this industry, there's more people who are seeing this as kind of um, something that's attainable, which it, it, it can be, but before where it used to be like, oh my God, like, bodybuilding like that's so crazy and that's so extreme um and it was kind of this weird weird group of people whereas now it's become so much more popular again especially the bikini division that people are thinking like yeah of course like I can totally do that and like I said most people can get through a prep two, maybe three like that but you're gonna be in trouble if you keep dieting like that without the right muscle mass previously, most people, most competitors don't have enough muscle mass. Like yeah. I'll just go on record and say that, you know what I mean? Especially right. most new competitors, you don't have enough muscle mass. Um, and a lot of people, again, in the bikini division can very easily attain a bikini physique naturally, which is great. And I support, and I coach mostly natural athletes and don't suggest people need to do that whatsoever. But you then have to take even more precautions with how you're dieting. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to be losing lean tissue, the only lean tissue that you have naturally, like 
you're you're really going to run into some adaptations. So I think that it's more of just kind of like a notion in general of the industry that like bodybuilding is less weird and more so just more people are doing it and by default of more people doing something you're just going to get a wider range of individuals I feel like um who are going to fit that and just in general with more more divisions you know like before it kind of used to be like hey are you do you have a bodybuilding physique or not okay if you don't then you probably shouldn't do this now there's a lot more divisions that people can kind of fit into so I think that that has certainly changed the landscape yeah. Yeah. And maybe it just, it brings down the level of, of extremeness that we see in bodybuilding and there's just mm-hmm. more people that want to do it. So you're getting less people that can actually do what it takes because it's extreme, but I, I don't want to spend, I just wanted to, well, I had you both on here, ask that question. Yeah, no. And it's frustrating because, you know, obviously as coaches who have done this and have coached many people, like we know the rigors of this and like, I would never watch like the Olympics and be like, I'm going to do that in a few months, right? Like, you know, okay, this person is self, like genetically selected to be great at this sport. Like their body has these proportions. They've been training since they were two and a half years old, you know, whatever, right? Like you wouldn't just think that they would be able to do that. Um, Whereas with bodybuilding, it's like, again, when there was less divisions and less people, it was kind of like, here's the shape and the type of person that's going to be successful. Now it's like, bring everybody in and it's like well not everybody has the same metabolism or the same genetics or the same muscle insertions you know so it's just i think that's where it's gotten a little bit i mean i'd go so far as to say there's people that really shouldn't be put on a stage um yes you can get there but the ramifications of it later are just a nightmare um and but because of all the divisions which i'm not against by any means it's made Plenty of coaches can now do this job too. So there's a catch 22, but uh, yeah, I think there's certain things that shouldn't be put on stage to be honest with you. Uh, and that, that kind of runs into having a good off season. And this next point in question kind of dives into there. When you all have someone in the trenches that, and, and I, we see this more with females, right? Like sometimes they have to really push to put that muscle on and then get pretty heavy what's the conversation look like? What do you all do when you have someone that's saying, Hey, like I'm getting fat in the, in the off season and you know, body dysmorphia is a really, really real thing. But then you also have that area where you have to push and you have to, I'm not saying you have to get sloppy, but you almost have to get a little uncomfortable. What's that conversation look like? Because most people, you know, they're like, boom, fuck this. I want to, let's, can I get five pounds off me real quick? I got a vacation coming up. Like what's that conversation look like? When someone says, I, uh, I'm getting too heavy. You go, Jason. Uh, sorry, go. You go ahead, Lauren. Okay. I was so, distracted. So for me, that conversation is just being really honest, right? Because I, I also am that person. I'm somebody who is very adaptive after all these years of dieting, right? Um, you know, for me to get lean, I got to get really lean and push really hard. And for me to build, I have to push the opposite way pretty hard. And when we're having this conversation about clients being competitive, it's like, again, there's a difference. Are you competing because you want to get on stage? I have clients who say, hey, I just want to get on stage. I might not be the most competitive. I never want to do a national show. I have this goal. I want to do it. That's great. I am here to support that as long as you are aware of what that looks like. Somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to turn pro or I want to place like this. All right. Well, that's a whole different conversation. We have to push 
not only harder for prep, but also harder in the off season, right? And we have to get to that uncomfortable place. And it's not easy, right? It's we've all been there. You know, it's like like I really like don't want to be here anymore. And there is a time sometimes where it's like, you know what? Like I I probably could lose a few pounds, right? And that's maybe where all right, let's increase our activity a little bit. Maybe let's do a few few cardio sessions, right? Nothing that's going to be too taxing. That's something that I've changed my mind a lot on. Like, you know, used to be like, oh my God, don't do cardio. You're going to like lose all your gains. And now it's kind of like one of those things that is is significantly having a few short cardio sessions a week and going for some walks, like you're going to be okay. You know, you're, you're going to, you're going to be healthier. Um, and you're also probably not going to lose any muscle. So I would say that that conversation for that client who really does need to push like that, it's either like, listen, like we have to go through these periods and like, based on your goal, like there's no way around this. The only really way, only real way around it I see is if we do even take a longer off season, but we do sandwich in like a cut. Right. And I do that for many clients if they, you know, want to do that. But again, that the time frame has to be there. Like, it can't be like, oh, I got uncomfortable. So I cut. And then I, you know, went back off season for a month and then now I'm prepping. It's like, that's usually not going to be enough time. So it's really just having that honest conversation with someone and saying like, this is where you're at. Um, and we're going to have to be uncomfortable. And if you don't want to be uncomfortable, that's also fine. But then we're not going to probably have your best physique on stage. So ultimately the coach is the guide, but I can never make a decision for my client. So I just have to present everything here. Here are your options. What would you like to do? And then ultimately they decide. Yeah. John, do you mind repeating it real quick? I had one of the boys text me. I just wanted to make sure nothing was wrong. So I had a, just wasn't in. Yeah. What was it? We're just talking about something. And this one's right in your wheelhouse as well. Um, You know, we see it a lot with women. They have to push to gain and add that size, especially, you know, if they're a female figure competitor, for example, would be a perfect example I can think of. Someone that really has got to pack the size on, maybe they just won their pro card, right? And they've really got to push and they're uncomfortable. So, you know, what's that conversation look like? And that's where Lauren kind of snailed everything on the head, you know, um, it, because you've got clients, you've got females that they're, they're going to have to be 25 pounds over stage or, or something, and they just don't feel good in their skin. And that's just, that's that area where, where things, where people struggle, you know? So what's that conversation look like? And yeah, I think her bringing up the mini cuts is, is a good point. That's the first thing I thought of, but what do you have to add to that? Um, You know, so we're talking about the size you need to be your best on stage um, as a female, correct? Yes. Well, I mean, I think it depends. It's a, it's going to be a case by case discussion and it depends on, I think what Lauren was saying, you know, what level are they trying to get to? Um, Cause at the end of the day, I mean, if you tell me you want to be a pro, well then, okay, you better be looking at how big those girls are. And then you, you probably should look at how they look in the off season. Cause you know, no, don't take offense women, but like, you know, us men, we put the muscle on and we get a little body fat. We just look big and still got cuts in our delts, but women gain that muscle and they put the normal amount of body fat on. They just kind of look thicker. And so they need to know like, do you like that look? Are you going to like this offseason look? Yeah, you like the way that women's physique gal looks when she's peeled, but throw 25 pounds or 20 pounds of just body fat all over around some fluid. How are you going to like that look? So, and there's been clients who said, I'm, I, I probably am not going to. And I said, okay, well, then you probably shouldn't go in that division. You know, you want to, I know for me, uh, I want to, look as good as I can year round, not just for one day on stage. And I know that that's a different mindset. That's how you should be. If you want to be the best pro ever and blah, 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 blah. 
but that's not where I'm at and it's not where everyone is. So there's those conversations that have to be had. Like, do you want to just push and not care how you look and then look great for two or three times a year on stage? Okay, cool. No, that's not what I want. Okay, well, then you might need to dial back your goals. Maybe being a, a, a women's physique pro isn't it. Maybe being a women's figure pro, they're they're big now. Maybe that's not it either. So that's kind yeah, of that's, out of the conversation for That's me. such a great point, Jason, because a lot of people see stage photos or how people look, because that's, again, predominantly back to that social media conversation. That's what a lot of people are sharing. And unless you've been in that position to where you know what that looks and feels like, you really don't know, you know what I mean? Like, like we can all look at that and like almost viscerally know how that feels. Um, and it's just something that a lot of people are not prepared for. Like even like wellness, right? Like look at what the wellness girls look like on stage, yep. right? Like if you are predisposed to have a physique like that, I would say absolutely go for it, right? You're really going to struggle in the bikini division to be symmetric, uh, or yeah, symmetrical. 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 Um, I was like, why did that weird that word that sound super weird? You got the all. Um, yeah, but imagine what like you're not just gonna like look like that off season. You know what I mean? So it's like, where am I gonna buy pants? You know, like there's there's a lot of questions here that need to be answered. You know, and it's like, do you want to look and feel like that? And it ultimately comes down to, and that's why you know everybody. Oh, are you are you competing now? And I'm like. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. Like having a bot, like I don't have as much muscle as I need to compete. Like I just don't, if I wanted to compete, I would need to gain muscle, which would need mean that I need to gain body fat. I don't know if I want to do that right now. I'm, I'm happy. I'm okay to gain a little bit of body fat with a little bit of muscle, but again, the level of being a competitive IFBB pro who has topped my last performance, I know what that gap is. And I don't want to engage in that. And I don't want to take any performance enhancing drugs to get there either. So it's like, all right, what, what, what are my choices to not compete right now? You know? So it's, it's not a negative thing. I think a lot of people look at that as like, well, that's, you can do it. It's like, of course I can, but do I want to do it is the question. Um, so I think people just need to be really realistic with that. And we have clients all the time who apply, oh, I want to do this show. Let's really peel that back. Why do you want to do the show? Is it a goal? Are your friends doing it? Did you just go through a life change? Um, what, what is the motivating factor behind the show? And if the motivating factor is a great reason, then I'm all for supporting that. If it's not, then I would say we can certainly set another type of goal and we don't need to get those last five to 10 pounds off that are really going to metabolically fuck you up. Yeah. That a lot of good stuff there. The only, the only thing I can think of it is if someone doesn't want to get that uncomfortable, but they need to, well, don't try and do it in a fucking year. I have that conversation be like, we need about two or three years. So if you mm -hmm. want to stay uncomfortable, if you don't want to get uncomfortable, we're going to have to take, you're going to need time. Time is the other thing that we're going to have to have at our disposal. So don't come to me, you know, impatient. Like if there's a couple different ways to do this. So time off and that that's a whole other podcast and topic. Um, yeah. A couple more things I want to hit on here real quick before we wrap up. Uh, how do you help your clients find a little bit of balance, you know, especially in that post diet phase? And it doesn't have to be, you know, when I go through this plan that I'm on now on my diet breaks, there's a little bit of a mental struggle for me. You know, I, I only pushed hard for three weeks, but there's a, there's an area of me where I just want to be able to eat an extra 50 carbs and not worry about it. Right. So there's always that restriction th that dieting is going to cause somebody prep or not. Mm -hmm. How do you help someone that's coming off a diet, regardless of the situation? start to find that balance because that can be, if we don't help them find it, they're going to fucking find it. And they're usually going to find it from eating way too much and they're going to get there faster. How do you help them prepare for that? 
Yeah. So first I would definitely say, you know, we want to be diligent with how we are adding food, right? That's certainly going to be something. Um, the total amount is certainly going to depend on how lean that person got, right? Like in your case, we were talking about John, like you didn't just finish a contest prep. So it's not like you need to add a thousand calories back into your right. diet, you know? Um, so that conversation is very different based on where someone is at, but usually I'm big, um, on adding in untracked meals, which again, I know is a hot topic for a lot of people, but I will do this again, prepare. I will do this before we enter a diet. So I'm not saying to somebody who's come off fresh off a diet, ah, just go eat whatever you want. Like that's obviously not happening. But if we've worked on all those things beforehand, adding in that flexibility can be really nice. Um, or even giving clients like ranges, right? Having ranges sometimes is just like that kind of, oh, okay. Like I have a range. I don't need to hit it exactly, which we, we all know they don't need to hit exactly every day anyway, but just having it physically written out as a range can be really useful. Um, and then the other thing too, is I really like to start to tackle the other things outside of what's going on. Okay. How can I make this easier in their environment? Like where are they maybe not planning or preparing enough? Um, where are some of the mindset struggles that they are dealing with? Can we focus on those things? Because if we start to work on those issues, oftentimes a lot of the food issues will start to resolve themselves um, and getting clients to be reflective in their thoughts and their patterns and their behaviors. And one of the biggest things that we added uh, about a year ago to our check-in sheet was um, you know, asking the client, what were some of your biggest wins this week? What were some of your biggest barriers? And a lot of times I could read that, you know, through the lines, so to speak, through the update, but just adding that has added another layer of reflection for clients to then not only they reflect on it, but then they share with me and then I'm able to actually give better feedback based off of that. Um, so it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes it's really about just asking the right things and then you're able to see it's not always about the food. It's often about other things that are going on um, and then saying, okay, how can I set up this environment for them to be successful? You know, okay, well, when do you always feel this desire to eat extra? Okay. Is it when you train at this time and you don't feel properly? Is it after work when you're really stressed out? Is it when you didn't prep enough? Like, like, right. Like it's small little things, but we all know the difference of like, Hey, if I had a 20 gram protein, 20 grams of protein in a shake, I'm going to feel a little bit easy, like better than if I didn't, right? Like after like, let's say like a hard training session or something. And that's so small, but for someone that could really be like what helps them kind of like take the edge off, so to speak. And then they're able to be adherent. So it really comes down to just asking those questions, I think. And then um, really, really practically speaking, I would say giving people ranges helps mentally. And then also adding in untracked meals. And that's something that I've done now for a few years versus just adding in a refeed. Um, and again, going to be client dependent, but it's certainly something that is nice. And, and the whole point again, is we're doing this beforehand, right? So it's not like I'm just throwing some new, new behavior on them when they're already in a mentally kind of dicey place. Like we've already done this before. Yeah. Would you say to have someone ultimately in the off season in a healthy place, someone that you've worked with from the start, maybe a short off season, some kind of a diet phase. Now they're, you know, back into maintenance and in the off season and in a good place. Would you feel that's that someone that can mentally be able to have a couple untracked meals a week, maintain and be able to have a healthy balance with food? Do you think there's one, one untracked meal place? Like you, for example, right? Like you're, you're in a good place in the off season, right? When you, I know right now you're doing a shortcut, but you know, mentally just in the off season with nothing going on, are you someone that feels like two untracked meals 
mentally just helps you stay in the game and you feel like you're in a good place? Do you feel like that's the sweet spot for most people? I would say yes. And actually right now I'm, <laughs> I'm failing pretty terribly at my diet. I on 75 hard, I've been trying to gain weight and I haven't, but <laughs> I'm like a sick, sick weight gain diet. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm happy with, with all of that. But um, yes, I would say personally that I find that the frequency of two um, either meals or just two days right? We do a lot of what we call like habit tracking. So what I'll have people do is sometimes it is just nice to track certain things, whether it's, you know, habits or behaviors, not necessarily just macros. Um, So for some people, what we're doing is they are doing habits two to three days a week and then tracking macros the other, um, you know, four or five, depending. Um, But I would say that if we're, again, if we're somebody who is maybe a physique athlete or has more physique focused goals, having something like two untracked meals, absolutely um, is something that people can can do successfully. Um, because again, the idea of the untracked meal is not to just go crazy with food. The idea is to just eat something that's not tracked. And um, my client said it literally perfectly yesterday. Like this was like, I'm like, this is exactly it. She was like, it was so nice to be able to have this meal with my family. And I pretty much ate what I would have normally eaten. I just didn't track it. And before this would have spiraled into like a whole fuck it mentality of like, oh, well, this was off plan. So I'm going to continue to eat. And she's like, and I would throw my like nutritional ideals kind of out the window. And now I haven't. And when I share these kinds of things, this is what is so important to me as a coach and our team in general. But I don't want people to hear that and go, oh, well, I tried that and it didn't work. This takes a long time, right? Like if you've had food regulation issues for many years, you're not going to all of a sudden not have those. It's just like when anybody's dealing with like a black and white mindset, right? And people who are predisposed to have a black and white mindset typically struggle with not being black or white, obviously, hence hence the hence the issue. Um, but they can be like, well, I'm, I'm falling right back into the behavior. And it's like, okay, but did you act on it? No, that's a huge win. The fact that you didn't act on it, you had the thought, but you didn't act on it is everything. Like the idea of, I don't want to, ha- I don't want to be anxious. Well, fucking good luck. <laughs> I mean, like you're going to have anxious days. You're going to have anxious thoughts, you know, obviously some people less than others. Um, but if you're somebody who's dealt with anxiety or just any kind of negative emotion at any point in time, that's not going to ever go away. But the idea is that, okay, I felt this emotion. I didn't act on it and I was able to move forward. So I, I say that because I don't want people to hear and be like, oh, that sounds like a fairy tale. I could never have an untracked meal. It takes a lot of trial and error and it takes time to go through that. And it's not always a smooth sailing process, but when you get on the other side of it, it is absolutely so worth it to be able to, you know, go my, like I said, my goal is always for clients to be able to go, go anywhere, be with anybody and eat anything and still fit within the realm of like something that looks like their plan. I I agree. Jason, you know, something that you've said for years that it still rings in my head and I know this and I practice it is. Just go out and have a the word tasty meal. Just go out and have a tasty meal with your family and friends and do exactly what Lauren just said. There's multiple times where I'll go out and have chicken and a potato and some steamed veggies and it tastes great because you know I'm normally drinking shakes or I'm eating some yeah. kind of like bro food because I'm and a, you're not fucking cooking it. No, I'm a bachelor bro, so I'm just drinking shakes and eating shit. Yeah, man. So go out and enjoy that. And it's taken a lot of time of not dieting because I don't diet often. The longer I stay away from dieting, the easier it is to, if Gavin throws a a pizza in the oven, I'll eat a couple slices that day and that'll be my carbs for one of my meal. And I just keep rolling and nothing happens. So 
would you guys agree that the longer people stay off season and they stay away from that super restrictive habit, that the better they can get? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. There is there is no substitute. You said it earlier, John. There is no substitute for time. Right. And I don't care what problem or challenge that we're working through, whether it's physiologically or psychologically or both you're going to need time to tackle that. And to think otherwise is super faulty. Because again, we've all discussed the types of clients that we work with. Like this isn't the the person who, I don't think I've worked with someone who's like, oh, I've never dieted before. And really maybe ever, you know, especially though now, like me and Jeff Black were talking about this, Jason. Um, I don't know when it was, but it, it was, he was saying something about like, have you noticed it's been harder for people to diet? And I was like, like to actually like see results, not necessarily like to, to stay compliant. But I was like, yeah, because we're getting people who have had longer dieting histories. Like yeah, there's like, just, you're, you're, we're not getting the 18 year old who, you know, and that's, again, that's where the social media thing, you know, oh, coach shows 18 year old, uh, you know, ph- phenom eating 500 carbs and does 10 minutes of cardio. It's like, bro, blow me. Like that's, that's yeah. not, that's not <laughs> most people, you know what I mean? So it's really, really frustrating for the client to see that. Um, and that's why I always try to give context to things, not to sound negative, but it's to be like realistic about like what is involved here. Um, and I think that some people can take that in a negative sense. And I don't I don't mean it that way. Um, but it's like we always want people to be very informed about what they're doing. You know, are you informed about what's potentially going to happen? And you know what? That just brings up an interesting point. As we get older and our age scales up, our our client base and the people that kind of follow what we do they they're they're getting older right so now they've had a longer dieting history because lauren you 10 years ago you know most people around you were were very very young and now as you've gotten older and and you're not old by any means jason and i are fucking old when when you come to be our age what are those people going to be like what's their dieting history going to look like then and that's you know that's such a good point and maybe that question that i alluded to in the middle of this whole podcast are you getting people that aren't able to either stick to plan or get results that's probably a large part of the answer and it makes complete sense. Very, very smart way to look at it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it breaks my heart, but that's why I'm like, you know what? Like I know that I'm here to help do that, whether it's a small piece of what the world needs, but I am that like absolutely passionate about helping people through this because if somebody can commit, you know, I always say like, give me a year, you know, if you can commit a year to something and like actually actually commit mentally and physically to something like man you're going to be in a different place and not saying a year is going to fix all of your stuff you know but even if it's a few years like think about the time you've wasted the past 5 10 20 years of these failed concepts it's like why don't you give something a try for two years and then actually be able to see sustainable results like that would be fucking rad you know um so that's that's why all this is super important i love having discussions about this because i think that more people are becoming informed i say that and then i'll see something and i'll be like oh no like oh like i usually live with like rose colored glasses like (laughs) and then i'll see something i'll be like oh no lose 10 pounds in 10 days and i'm like hey like and these are people that i know are like intelligent and uh, you know but you're like i know you're trying to help i know your intentions are good but like this ain't it (laughs) like yeah i don't don't think it'll ever go away i think it's less prevalent than it was back in Mm -hmm. the day but i don't think it'll ever go away but I, I think that's a great way to end our show. Um, we've got so many coaches that listen to the show because there's so many coaches out there and there's so many more people to diet. So if you're out there listening, this is something I would probably save this podcast and I would go back and listen to it every six months at least because 
the best coaches are always going to be the coaches that can learn from either the mistakes they not the mistakes, the journey they've been through personally. And also, as you continue to get more clients, you've got to continue to learn from every single person until you get to this point to where you can understand this left and right. And I really think this podcast is kind of a snapshot of that. Um, so good times. If you guys want to follow Lauren, all of her info is in the show notes. You can click on that. Lauren, we're going to have you back on. Obviously, um, we've all done a lot of business together and, and shows and conferences and things of that nature. So you're, you're such a good guest. We really appreciate you coming on. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I no, do. I, I do. So. Uh-huh. I didn't say it in my intro because I was like, man, everybody's really, really hyping everything up. So two things. I don't know when this is going to air. Is it going to air before March? Um, it's going to maybe. And damn it. See, Kayla's not here. You're going to have me. Okay. Anyways, you might, this might be, this might be too late, but on March 18th, myself, Chanel Collette and Casey Joe Arvitas will be hosting an event. It is going to be, um, a seminar and also a fun connection based event. So we're going to have, um, some guest speakers, Q and a, um, it's going to be Dr. Bill Campbell talking on the science of fat loss. It's going to be Taylor Sappington talking about um, female cycle and hormone optimization. Myself, Casey, and Chanel will be doing a Q&A. And then we're going to have a lifting session. And then we're going to go out and you know eat and drink and enjoy Tampa and just really connect. So um, I can send you that information um, if you want, John. And then also for anybody who is a um, physique coach who's listening or is just interested in learning more about this, um, I have been working with NASM. So they um, came out with a physique and bodybuilding coach course last year that I was a contributor on for many different levels. And they actually do have a special running right now, like a promo through me, um, which will give a very large discount for the course. I can say hands down, it is phenomenal. Um, I had a small contribution, but other amazing people in the industry, um, Dr. Scott Stevenson, Chris Barricat, uh, Eric Helms, Trexler, all these, all, all the top name people, you know, the coaches and researchers in the field contributed here. So I will also send you that and you can put that in the show notes too john yep show notes i've got the link to your event we'll have that up there the nasm course link and everything mm-hmm. that's that they need there so just check that out also before you all end your episode please hit pause and leave us a review we're getting close to 500 we really really appreciate that it's the biggest podcast we've all ever done so we really really appreciate that um but you guys have a great day we we enjoy you listening for myself lauren and jason we're out of here see you guys Thanks, guys.